0: Year's resolutions, they don't work, do they? I mean, studies show less than 10% of us who make one won't follow through more than a couple of weeks. But how about our children? I'm Kevin Frankish. Perhaps we could use this new year as a chance to make resolutions for their mental health that we can help them follow through with. According to the report Raising Canada, published by Children First Canada, the numbers are alarming. One-third of children in Canada don't enjoy a safe and healthy childhood. One in three Canadians has experienced abuse before the age of 15. One in five live in poverty and perhaps most sobering of all. The leading cause of death for children aged 10 to 14 is suicide. My guest is Dr. Kusha Amaria, a respected children's psychologist in Toronto. She explains that change now may prevent a whole lot of world of hurt in their adult lives with anxiety and depression. New Year's resolutions for your child, right now on the Mental Health Podcast. Well, hello, Dr. Amaria. It is so nice to talk to you again.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me here.
0: Well, tis the time that we all speak of New Year's resolutions, losing weight, being better with money, whatever. But we always associate resolutions with adults. I want to talk about the possibility of New Year's resolutions for kids. Is that a possibility?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know,
0: our our kids are paying attention to us. So if we're talking about New Year's
1: resolutions and we're talking about ideas for 2024, they're listening.
0: Well, that's good to hear. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But first and foremost, I really want to address mental health in relationship to our children. It, it's interesting that we take them to the dentist religiously. We make sure they brush their teeth every single night. Um, we take them to get new eyeglasses if they need them or eye appointments at least. We do so much for the health of our children, but there's very little that we do to promote their mental health and their mental well-being is that a fair statement i think so i
1: think you know there's um a a switch and i think the direction in the education system to talk more about mental health amongst young people i'm surprised how often um, you know, a 15-year-old sitting across from me um, has said they know that they need support, that they've gone to their parents say, I'm struggling and I need some help. And so I think our young people are quite educated on him, on mental health, but they also don't know how to navigate the systems. And us as adults, we have to figure out how to advocate for that and navigate a really difficult mental health system at times.
0: And the statistics tell us that when we um, suffer from depression and anxiety later in life, that... Most often, the initial traumas, the triggers, actually happen in our childhood.
1: Yeah, I, I think another way to put that is when we ask um, adults about the onset of their anxiety symptoms and depression, about anywhere between 70 and 85% will say, I can tell you, it started during my adolescence. It's it's not always a clear trigger, trauma, stress. Um, if it was that simple, I think we would know exactly is at risk. Rather, it's this idea that there's multiple risk factors, um, and things start young. And so, if we could do better jobs at teaching young people how to take care of themselves, teaching young people how to ask for help and reach out for help when they needed, educating parents on how to know what's what's healthy mental health and what might not be, um, those are all things that we can do to make a difference in the in the lives of our children or adolescents, and then adults, of course.
0: And when we discuss uh, mental health for children and for teens, youth are they facing more pressure today, more pressure that puts that stress on their mental health?
1: That's a great question. I wish I could give you the, the answer that's 100% based on their research, but I'll give you sort of my anecdotal experience. When I when I meet with young people um, or their parents, um, nothing will surprise you about what they're looking for support around. There's family changes. I'm struggling with that. School is difficult. I'm being bullied. I have anxiety about doing things and I have trouble putting my hand up in class or um, there's too many stresses on me. I'm expected to volunteer, go to school, work, get straight A's. You know, you and I can brainstorm about the types of things that would bring people um, to reach out for help and their everyday challenges, More often than not, as well as, of course, some of the more serious difficulties that young people are facing these days. There's a lot of pressure on all of us um, to be successful. There's um, our climate anxiety. There's so many things out there. Fortunately, not everybody's affected by everything to the same degree, but the reasons people need help around the mental health are no surprise to anyone.
0: Okay, I'm going to do my best grumpy man impression here. Well, come on, Doc. I was a kid, too. We had tough times, but we got through it okay. They can just suck it up. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, you know, I think my my, uh, feedback on that is, hey, guess what? That didn't work, did it? It didn't work, did, right? And we've got people, we have you know, one in five and even higher at different time points in people's lives, um, experiencing the ill effects of unhealthy um, mental health. And, and mental health is a spectrum, right? We have periods of great mental wellness and we have mental illness. And most of us, Fortunately, we spent a lot of our lives in the middle. As a psychologist, I'm I'm very focused on preventing mental illness and allowing people to feel better if they've gone through a course of mental illness. Um, And so that applies when we're talking about a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, or that
0: 55-year-old. And now to the main event, let's talk about resolutions for kids. It, it there's a danger though, of course, as always with resolutions, and 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 we face it as adults when we sort of look at them and say, ah, they're not going to work.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat. I often feel um, worried when people say, oh, "I've got this great New Year's resolution," and and, and you know, in the type of therapy I practice, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, it's great. But well, a big part of what we do is helping people change behaviors, and that's what a resolution is, right? It's this thing we've kind of made up in the Western world where we resolve um, to continue with good practices or change a traitor or behavior or try and accomplish some type of goal. And we usually do it sometime at the start of the calendar year. So, you know, our kids are listening to us, they're paying attention to this. Um, and I would say it's a great opportunity to um, talk to kids about why we have resolutions in the first place. But I think you have to start with, with kind of asking yourself the question, why would you want to introduce the idea of New Year's resolution to your children? And I, and yeah, I was going to say, Kevin, if you, if you had some ideas about why you think, why you think parents want to introduce um, resolutions, what comes to mind for you? Well, I think it's
0: twofold. I think that you know it. It is the the stereotypical res, uh, resolution. Um, I I want my child to behave better at home, uh, to get to bed better, to do their homework, to clean up after after the uh, with the dinner dishes. But there's also that other side too, where we're actually very concerned that perhaps our children might be struggling with anxiety, and we just don't know about it.
1: Yeah, I, that's exactly what I was thinking as well. And so, you know, sometimes as a parent, it's like, I'm going to make a resolution for my kids to clean all the Lego off their floor every night before I go to bed. Or I'm going to work on a resolution to get them off the phone more so that, you know, I have their attention at dinner time. And, and, and so I think it's okay to have those goals and they probably are very helpful for your children in the long run. But, you know, if you really take a step back, typically parents... Um, want resolutions for the kids to help them support new habits, um, maybe it's to plan for some more fun activities you might do together, find ways to spend more time with your kids and our busy schedules. Um, so just take a moment before you even start talking about resolutions with your children, just think for a moment, like, why do I want to bring this up now?
0: And so why do I want to bring this up now?
1: I would sort of you know, remind people, I would, I would tell parents to talk about why we do resolutions in the first place. Right? Like that it doesn't matter if we start on January 1st or we carry it through the whole year, but we take advantage of the momentum that the start of the calendar year has for us. Right? Um, I would actually start by sharing some of the resolutions you've maybe done in the past. Um, things that maybe your kids might have noticed and say, you know, I, I do this every January. I I, you know, know, one of the things I do, I purge all the junk food in the house. And of course it doesn't last, but I kind of say, hey, let's start a fresh start. Let's, you know, minimize how many bags of chips we're opening up every night. And so you, you have this conversation about why we use the start of the new year to try and build some of these healthier habits.
0: Quick promo time here. We have put together a toolkit for New Year's resolutions. It is aimed at adults, but you can use it for children as well, I'm sure. We have a whole bunch of different things in this toolkit you can use for not only making New Year's resolutions, but making them stick. I pulled a lot of our experts right here at Ontario Shores. So you can find that at ontarioshores.ca slash info. I'll repeat that a little bit later on, but I think it's worth checking out. In that uh, toolkit, you're going to find uh, a chart called the SMART goal-setting formula, and it, it helps you to make decisions, and, and I hope you check that out. So, Dr. Maria, let's talk about what is reasonable and achievable when it comes to goal-setting or resolutions for our kids.
1: Oh, I love that idea, reasonable, achievable. And I wish I could just tell you one, but and I like the idea of the SMART goals, but I actually think where to start, let's think about some of the themes, right? When we're thinking about young kids, you think elementary school ages, um, they might actually quite, they they really do understand what a goal is, what an intention is. They're naturally facing goals and habit building all of the time. Um, And so with young kids, I would say like, what's their domain? Um, so maybe maybe it's a learning goal, right? Maybe you your child really wants to get better at their times tables. So let's figure out how to make that habit, right? Uh, I'm sorry. We'll build a habit by working towards having the times tables lying around, quizzing our kids, working with them. Maybe they want to learn words in a different language. And like that's a learning goal that kind of falls in that category. But You might want to also talk about health goals, right? So, you know, as adults, we say, okay, I'm gonna take the stairs more often. I'm going to try to get to sleep on time. These same things apply to our young kids. Maybe we all wanna practice being off the screen for one hour every weekend, um, on the weekends. Um, There's so many other domains, sports and hobbies, financial, financial connections, Compassion and kindness, even planet-saving ideas. There's lots of different ideas that you can come up with, um, with, especially with elementary
0: school children. And let's talk about your specialty, mindfulness. Help us set goals for our kids when it comes to that mindfulness.
1: Yeah, and I think, if you know, for those who are listening and are not exactly sure what mindfulness is, I sometimes talk about it in a way of, like, learning to be more present. You know, the whole world is trying to steal our attention all of the time. Everything from that dinging, you know, a smartphone in our pocket to the TV to our children to the dog to whatever it might be. And so mindfulness as a skill is really, really centers around this idea of being more present, learning to be more in the moment, because um, most of us can figure out that that has value. There are times where being out of the moment is pretty healthy, right? When my kids sit down and want to show me their latest Minecraft world, um, I'm not present, I'll be honest. I'm smiling and I'm nodding, um, and I'm showing them that I care, but but my, my brain is going to be somewhere else. But if they're telling me about a challenge they have at school um, and a difficulty they're facing with a friend, I need to be present. And, so, and, and the same goes for our children, right? When we want them to learn something, we're talking about something important, we want to teach them how to bring their attention back to the present so mindfulness is a skill that we practice and learn and get better at with practice if you're a parent and you're interested in this i would say there's a great resolution let's work on it together i hear from parents when they say they spend time with their kids practicing meditation there's great short meditations you can do together there's mindfulness tools there's grounding tools you can use and if you learn them together then you can um remind each other about when to use them as well
0: so there is kind of a a really nice byproduct here and that is the fact that not only are you improving your child's mental health by doing this you're also increasing your own
1: i didn't even think of it that way but you're absolutely right
0: (laughs) when it comes to considering our children's mental health we we of course think of things we we want them to not have bad dreams and we want them to be uh you know comfortable and well-established But we don't really think about their true mental health. We don't think about things like that they could possibly have serious anxiety, even depression. And and that's just not true.
1: It's not true. And, you know, and I was thinking a little bit about New Year's resolutions with younger kids. They're quite fun and you can make them quite silly and um, there's no risk of failure. I love that you talked about um, resolutions needing to be realistic, achievable. You need to break them down into small goals. But, you know, if I was really going to invest, I, w- I would focus on some of the, the risks around our teenagers, right? We are worried about our teenagers. Um, and, and teenagers are also thinking about resolutions for the new year. And, and there's going to be amongst those same themes we just talked about, but they can be more complex. So they kind of build upon each other. And the one I was thinking that was so important that we could all spend some more time on as adults, as parents and caregivers um, is around self-care. Right. Self-care is one of those strategies that we really believe and hope are going to be um, helpful in preventing big mental health challenges and issues. And so and self care is for everyone, right? And it's it's a great skill to practice and build on because it's this it's really any activity that you do deliberately that's about caring for yourself. And so it can be physical, it can be social, emotional, mental health wise, spiritual as well. And so um, you know, with our young people. I want them to believe that they have more control in their lives than they sometimes feel that they do, especially if they're feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, anxious, depressed. Um, You know, we can start talking to our teens about self-care and we can, you know, maybe we can build that into our resolutions with them.
0: Ah, now you're talking about teens and uh, we all know. But that communication changes most times. When kids become teenagers, we almost feel as though we don't know how to talk to them. And I think the the situation is is kind of reversed as well. That They don't know they can talk to us as well. So what can we do to help our teenage children on a better path towards mental health on one of these resolutions?
1: Oh, I love that I, and I think that the first thing I would start with is a conversation with them about things that they're already doing really well. Habits that they have and skills that they built maybe in the last year or so that were were difficult at one point right maybe they're in charge of making their own lunches maybe they've been earning you know money by babysitting that neighbor's kid once a month and those things just feel kind of normal and easy for them but remind them that they weren't at one point right that was a goal that they had a habit that they built and then start that conversation of what you'd like to do in the new year. I think if, you know, when it comes to, I was thinking about self-care, you know, most of us say like the biggest barrier is time, right? It's hard to carve out time. And I think that's important for young people too. A lot of our young people are really busy. They've got their school pressures, they've got financial pressures, they feel obliged to be able to com- commit to their communities and volunteer. Um, and so maybe we talk to them about how to carve up that time. Um, I think a lot of parents listening are probably going, how do I get my kid to be off their phone more often? I think that fits into that self-care motto as well. Um, so how do we encourage kids to do, to, what do they say, to do more activities IRL, right? Let's do some more in real life. That might be a really simple resolution to work with your kids on. And you're not saying, I want you to do something every day for the rest of 2024, you're saying, what would you be doing if you had some extra time? And you're like, oh, maybe I'd go walk in the park. Maybe I'd go to a theater with my friends. Maybe i do some of those things in a way. Um, going back to that concept of keeping lines of communication open, I think one of the things that we can do um, better as parents and hopefully we'll get buy-in from our teenagers is um, more one-on-one time which nobody ever feels like they have. So the way you might do that is pick a shared activity. Maybe your kid shows some interest in cooking. Like cooking is a chore, right? But maybe if you do something together, once every two weeks you plan a special meal, you go to the grocery store together. Maybe your child says, you know, like, I'm ready to take this risk. I wanna join this club, but it's across town and I don't wanna take the TTC, Da da da. Say, fine, I promise to drive you. Those committed times that you have with your young person that's when your communication happens, right? It's predictable time in your week um, where you can check in on each other without making it feel forced, right? You want to naturally keep those communication channels open as early as you can to allow for that.
0: I hope that parents are reading to their to their younger kids, especially still. And I was thinking that this might be a good way to, to sort of mix mindfulness in with a bedtime routine. So if you're reading them a story, why not get a book? I was I was going through a bunch of books just before um, I was speaking with you, uh, and I found a great one. It's called "After the Fall: How Humpty Dumpty Got Back Up Again." It's by Dan Santon, and it's about Humpty Dumpty, of course, falling off the wall and facing fears to to. Try Try and overcome that and get back up on the wall. So it's kind of a a nice way to use this time while at the same time sort of enforcing a resolution of mindfulness and facing fears
1: absolutely of course so such a proponent for reading we know that reading that really helps to their literacy over time with young kids you know with your teenager it might be like let's pick a next netflix show we're going to watch together gives you that opportunity to have conversations about what you're watching or even just ensure that you're both seeing the same things things that are relevant to your young person and that 20 minutes that half hour it's shared activity there's a planning element there's a commitment right showing your child that they matter to you that this time and your busy schedule matters to them these are the types of things that we we do to show our children self-care matters um uh, and they're great they're great to do together and i think they keep that communication open right there's this real risk of sometimes living these separate lives um for good reason right we have to be able to put food on the table and do all these other things but it doesn't take much to stay connected and, and i think that's a great thing we're reminded of, um, of this you know, in the holiday season, the start of the New Year's about our connections. Um, We can do the same with our families.
0: Maybe before you you start thinking about resolutions, it might be a good time for a checkup because you may not even be aware of some of the stresses and anxieties that your kids may be living with that you don't even know about. So doing that checkup beforehand might be a good start.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I think we're so fortunate that um, there's – great information out there. I understand that it can be overwhelming in figuring out where to start, but I always remind parents about you know, checking in with yourself, checking with your child—it's not—it's not rocket science, right? It's understanding what's normal. It's understanding what seems different. Um, it's paying attention. Um, and in the domain of behaviors, and thinking, emotions, social, physical—you um, know—some areas might be going really well. Maybe others feel like more of a challenge in a way. So that kind of head-up check-up kind of concept—great for all of us to do. And we can we can have those conversations around the dinner table. Also, a great part of building our mental health literacy for our our children um, is to talk about mental health period, right? The good and the bad. Um, So we're not stigmatizing, we're not scared to talk about big topics. Um, If we can bring that to the forefront, then kids, recognize that they can bring that back to us when there's challenges and that's what we want you know as parents we're our frontline support for our children um, along with teachers and and other educators and, and coaches and all of these other people that are out there but we want to be that advocate for our young people
0: let's talk about a few other uh resolutions we could talk about in fact that word resolution you have a suggestion about that itself
1: yeah I take the word resolution out of it, maybe just for the beginning of the conversation, do so and talk about habits, right? You know, we all kind of get the idea of building a habit. We, we We have these things that we do every day that we don't have to think or worry about. We all brush our teeth. Maybe we want to floss more, but we all brush our teeth. We do these habits. Usually resolutions are around a goal. The goal is I want to lose weight. The goal is I want to be healthy. And so a goal is lofty and hard to achieve because there are so many steps along the way. So the habits are the things that get us closer to our goal. So maybe the habit, if you want to lose, you know, be healthier is less junk food in the house, one dessert a day, taking the stairs, you know, and so that can help us with habits. And there's a lot of literature on how to build habits, right? It's, it's actually kind of funny when you talk about it. And as a psychologist, it's not really rocket science by any means, but to build a habit, you have to pair existing behaviors with what you're doing. So if you want your kids to floss their teeth after they brush their teeth, you got to have the floss on the counter and you got to have some kind of pairing of that activity. You have to have rewards for things. You have to build small steps along the way. Um, We have to tell other people so that we're more accountable. And actually, one of the things we have to do, we have to track our successes. A big part of cognitive behavioral therapy is around monitoring our moods, our behaviors um, and, and changes. And so we don't often know if we're succeeding or failing or need to change something up if we don't pay attention to it. So, you know, like noticing that your child is flossing or noticing that your child has got to bed on time, you know, five days of the week. Those are great ways to reinforce a habit while working towards that bigger goal for yourself and for your child.
0: You know, as a parent, we, we often question, okay, is this normal childhood behavior that's happening here, this tantrum per se, or something like that? Or is it something that needs to be taken a little more seriously, perhaps uh, seeking some professional help? So how do you know when you've crossed that line?
1: Absolutely. And so we always talk about we think about crisis and safety first, right? So when young people um, feel like there's a real risk, that's an immediate. You need to reach out for help. That's where we have stress lines, crisis lines, um, great places like Ontario Shores. Um, as well, we need to also be paying attention to what what is normal, right? It's hard to know if there's a change from normal if we don't really know what normal is. And so I always think about those domains: behavior, emotion, thinking, social, physical. Um, and so understanding what's normal for a young person, um, and you're the expert as that as a parent, and looking for changes from that. So. Change will come in, it'll be here and there, it goes up and down, there's no linear path in that way. But if something feels different from normal and it's kind of getting in the way of functioning and it's getting in the way of doing the job of that child, which might be school or might be socializing, whatever it might be, that's often a time we need to get intervention. And intervention isn't always sitting in somebody's office like my own in, in weeks of therapy. Intervention comes in so many fabulous ways. You know, so many parents listening today have access to um, counseling and short-term counseling through their work and support. And I want people to use that early on, you know, guidelines on how to support young people. Um, so we look for changes in behavior. Two weeks is usually what we, we tell people when it seems to be kind of like stuck um, in certain domains, but uh, don't wait too long, right? If you think your your child needs help, sometimes it's a conversation. Maybe it's reaching out and doing your own research, and other times it is more intensive kind of connection to somebody else.
0: Dr. Kushamaria, senior clinical director at CBT Associates, CBTAssociates.com. Thank you so much for this, and have yourself a uh, happy and wonderful new year.
1: Thank you. Same to you and to everyone listening.
0: Don't forget to check out our New Year's Resolutions Toolbox. Good advice from mental health experts here at Ontario Shores, including making workable resolutions, not only for your kids, but for yourself using the smart goal setting formula. Coming up next, it's our coping segment here on the Mental Health Podcast. Every day seems to be an uphill climb.
1: Mental illness can be a dark and lonely place. At Ontario Shores Centre for Mental Health Sciences, we're working to draw back the curtains and let the light in. We have a highly trained team working with patients every day on their road to recovery. Our world-class researchers are making great strides in revolutionizing mental health care. Our innovations are changing how care is delivered. We know you want to be a member of this caring community. For ways you can demonstrate your support for those alone in the dark, go to ontarioshores.ca and click on Donate. Demonstrate your support for mental health. Join the Ontario Shores family and champion for a change. I know the
0: path we walk and with
1: this message brought to you by the Ontario Shores Foundation for Mental
0: Health. Time for our coping segment. It can be so frustrating as a parent, can't it, trying to communicate with your kid? They don't always listen. All right, that's an understatement. Well, one of the most effective ways you can communicate is so obvious, but we fail to see its importance and effectiveness. So one of the best coping mechanisms for you and your child is to play with them. Never mind the educational games or STEM activities. They are great, but just play. Play dress up. Have a tea party. Draw a picture. Play tag. KidsHealth.org says these activities are so much more than just fun. They help kids and teens feel positive emotions that can often offset stress. And here's the thing, it can also offset stress for you as well. Make time to play. And that's this edition of the Mental Health Podcast. Remember that if you are in distress, there's a new way to reach out in Canada. Just dial 988, no judgment, just an ear to listen, and a voice to help point you in the right direction. I hope 2024 is a mental healthy year for you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Frankish. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Mental Health Podcast. If you have any thoughts about this episode or suggestions for future episodes, please send me an email at Podcast at ontarioshores.ca. Please don't be alone. Reach out for professional help. For more resources and advice, check out our website, ontarioshores.ca. The Mental Health Podcast is a production of Ontario Shores Centre for Mental Health Sciences. I'm Kevin Frankish. Take care of yourself and take care of each other.